I'm here with Nate Grove, and it's Harbormaster Appreciation Day 2019, and we're talking about his position as Chief of Waterfront and Marine Operations Planning and Development here in New York City. Hey, Nate. Hi. Thanks for uh, visiting us here. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you and your job and what it's like. Sure, happy to. Thanks, and again, thanks for thanks for coming down. It's it's really. Uh, it's it's really a, a space that that's very dynamic. I'm always uh, happy to talk about uh, the work we do here. Um, you know, New York City being New York City, uh, I guess I'm a bit biased, but it's it's a it's a pretty intense place. Uh, a lot happens on our waterways. Uh, when you talk about mixed use, you really see it all here. Um, of course, New York City. I, I, I won't bore you with the whole uh, nautical past of New York City, but being the i think we're the third soon to become the second biggest port in the united states um we obviously have a, a strong uh port history industrial history um i'm not going to talk about that so much as the recreational aspect of things so again i i represent new york city parks and recreation um and uh and, and my world is more the uh the the the, the world of recreational boating however um when I talk about the intensity and complexity of New York City, um, a, lot, a lot of the joy of my job comes with uh, integrating our efforts and coordinating with, with a lot of our partners, uh, whether it be NYPD Harbor Patrol, uh, Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, um, NYC Ferry with the Economic Development Corporation. Uh, it go, the list goes on and on. And that's one of the things I really want to stress is that ultimately it, it's, it's a collaborative effort to get your arms around that, which is New York City's waterfronts, uh, it really it really takes uh, more than a village. It takes a city, and uh, I have the good fortune of uh, of, of representing parks in, in that sphere. So um, I should let you ask some questions because I could talk probably nonstop <laughs> for the next couple hours, Anastasia. Uh, let me. Uh, let, why don't you give us a sense of what your background is, Nate, and how you even ended up in this interesting, complicated job? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, uh, to some extent, it, it was luck. I'll say that um, uh, people people often ask, you know, uh, what kind of background you need to have to to get into this space. I I think ultimately it, it takes a mixture of a lot of skills. Um, I had previously come from the the business world. Um, I ultimately realized my true passion is is the the kind of the city of New York. Um, I was active in boating in college, really more on a recreational level. I rode on the Charles River while at Harvard. Um, and uh, I always found myself drawn toward kind of New York's reinventing our waterfronts from the moment I moved to New York City after graduation, so several decades ago. Um, I really was inspired by the back to the industrial past that we have, this reimagining of our waterfront. And I saw New York City Parks as being really the, the, the leader in that space. Uh, of course, under, under uh, the direction at that time of uh, Mayor Bloomberg and now Mayor de Blasio, this, this continual engagement of our waterfront. Uh, New, New Yorkers kind of demand it. If there's, if there's a space, they want to figure out what to do with it. And, um, and, and, and that's where now, over 16 years into this uh, career, um, I've found there's this ceaseless desire. It's almost exponential. The more you build, the more you develop the waterfronts, the more interest there is in engaging it, not just for the aesthetics and the visual, but for recreation to get into the water. Um, I, I always like telling that story of people, um, 
originally saw that our waterfronts as something to be avoided because it was really for commerce. It was a little unsavory, you know, some of the kind of uh, interactions. You, you wouldn't be thinking taking your family down there to go picnicking. Um, rather, you'd go to Central Park. The subways would bring you to the to the middle of the island into Manhattan. Um, that's changing, and it's changing at an incredible pace. Uh, we're, we're, in, we're, we're an archipelago. We're surrounded by water. I like to call it our watery sixth borough. Um, and the more you engage the public with that, more of these inner city kind of experiences, people realize the potential of what our waterways have for us. So that's really been for me the intoxication of this job, of, of continuing to open that up for the public. So what is, can you describe a typical day or a typical week of what you might do, be doing here? Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of, you can probably already guess my answer. There's, it, it's, uh, there's nothing typical about it. This is what keeps it interesting. Let me, I'll take a half step back and define a lot of people say, well, you know, parks, we didn't, we didn't know you had marinas. So um, parks is, uh, is the largest land, land holder of our waterfronts in New York City. Um, of the 520 miles, a third of that is is owned by New York City Parks. Of course, a lot of that is natural area, beaches, but ultimately, when you look at the the, the physical infrastructure of this city, again, majority is owned by New York City Parks, or more, majority we're the biggest property owner. One third of 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 of, uh, of the shorelines are New York City Parks. Um, with those shorelines comes a lot of recreational boating. So uh, in that portfolio of waterfront assets, we have 15 marinas located throughout the five boroughs. So this gets into my day-to-day -day a bit. Uh, a number of those sites we staff ourselves, the major marinas. The one you're at here now, World's Fair Marina here in Flushing, in Queens, Flushing Bay, close to Flushing Meadow Corona Park, of course, was built for the World's Fair, both in 1939 and 1964. Uh, another uh, very popular site is the 79th Street Boat Basin in Manhattan. It's another site that we staff directly. So I have dock masters, I have maintenance workers, I have marine mechanics that work at these sites. Recently, we took on the operation of Dykeman Marina in northern Manhattan, so we're going to staff that directly as well. Um, and then we have a lot of smaller marinas, um, boating clubs that have been around for over 100 years at least, uh, places in Pattergate Basin in Jamaica Bay, um, Lemon Creek Park in, in Staten Island, Bayside Marina near us here in, uh, in Queens and Little Neck Bay. Um, so these are run through uh, third-party private operators on, on parkland. So I also have a bit of oversight over those sites, making sure that they're serving the public uh, good. They're there to make money, but they're also there to keep pe people in boating, make it affordable. Uh, so we're, we, we have a bit of oversight over those as well. Um, that's kind of the immediate task at hand. Um, uh, again, it's access, it's, it's a revenue position uh, for the city. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the things I always uh, come back to uh, is that uh, by virtue of these being parkland, um, in some ways that's unalienable. You, you, can't, you can't alienate that space. So um, there, there's a joy to that. It, it ultimately liberates me to think of other opportunities for the public to enjoy these spaces. What does that mean? It means bringing in educational tall ships, people like P Pete Seeger's Clearwater vessel, uh, visiting tall ships from out of town. Uh, we don't have to, again, monetize every inch of the space, and we can uh, open that up for programs like that on a pro bono basis. Um, provided they're serving the public. We'll, we'll audit very carefully the number of students that are coming out and whatnot. Um, we haven't talked human-powered boating. I mean, that's really a big part of my job and something that I've seen uh, grow exponentially over my years. When I came into the agency over 16 years ago, we had 12 human-powered boating launches citywide. We now have four times that, close to 50. 
Um, and again, it, it gets to that, if you build it, will they come? And, and we're seeing that over and over again, the interest in that, groups organizing throughout the city. It's really great to see these stewards. You know, you, you do the math. Parks can't, 30,000 acres, I mean, that's obviously not a, beyond waterfronts. Um, it really comes down to forming these alliances with, with partner groups, people who are going to take an uh, interest and in ownership in these spaces. And that's a big part of my job as well, is empowering some of these groups to be able to do programs, to have free paddling, groups like Downtown Boathouse, North Brooklyn Boat, Boat uh, Club, Long Island City Community Boating, Red Hook Boaters. Uh, Kayak Staten Island, uh, Gowanus Dredgers, the list goes on and on. And uh, I got to tell you, every year, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not the inert type, but 16 years, every year, it's, it's, it's new groups coming online. It's new assets coming, uh, coming, coming into the public fold. And it's, it's really, it's really uh, to me, um, a, a, a really uh, never-ending cycle and, and very engaging. And back to, I guess, my story um, 16 years ago, uh, no one was focused on this holistically. And I, and I was talking to the agency at the time, um, about that space, about some of the boating opportunities. And, um, and I started as an analyst, uh, really, uh, the first Marina analyst for, for New York city parks. And, and, and again, just due to the, 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 the intensity of, of interest from the public that really grew into a career 16 years on, onward. Cool. So I'm curious, 16 years in a rapidly changing environment like this, how do you think people's perceptions of their relationship to the coast have changed from your perspective over that time? Yeah. Well, um, well, again, it's, it's, I have no trouble speaking to these topics because it's, it's changed and it continues, it it keeps changing, right? So, um, well, we talked about that, that, reimagining of our waterfronts. I'll give a few more examples. You, you take places like Brooklyn Bridge Park. Um, when I moved here, you, you, it was it was it was kind of a, a, a kind of a, a sore spot when you looked off of Brooklyn Promenade at, at Lower Manhattan, where these kind of abandoned warehouses. Never would you imagine in, in 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 not that much time when you think about what it takes to develop these sites that that would now become one of the most popular destinations in New York City. Um, you know, that's just a, a clear example of people's new perceptions of what the waterfronts can be for them. Um, again, a place to recreate, a place to bring your family, to, to jump on a ferry to Governor's Island, a free ferry to get out there and, and enjoy Governor's Island. Um, you name it, you know, it's not just around, it's not just Manhattan centric. You take Jamaica Bay and the investment in in the natural resources out there and the awareness of um, the American Literal Society, the Jamaica Bay Eco Watchers and, and, the, and, the, and the guided tours that they're bringing the public out there and raising their awareness. Of course, again, it, it's empowering the next generation to understand these natural resources around us. Uh, Billion Oyster Project, what a successful program in terms of pe- raising people's awareness of what, again, this valuable resource that surrounds us, um, that, uh, that reimagining of our waterfront, it, it, it's, it's the snowball effect I keep talking about of people saying, wow, what an amazing asset we have. How do, how do we invest in it? I want to enjoy it. Oh, it, it rained yesterday. Can I touch the water? People, people's awareness of combined sewer overflows without getting into too technical wonky stuff. You know, these, these cities were built um, 
without the, I won't say without the necessary foresight, but but you kind of, you know, 100 years ago, 150, 200 years ago, you're building these cities to kind of catch or, capture some of the sewage outflow, but during heavy rain events and as cities scale up, how do you maintain that? You know, well, let's just flush it down to our wires and go out to the sea. Well, now we're in that situation, we're now in that situation of trying to re- rethink our cities. Um, it's Department of Environmental Protection that we work very closely with on how do we better achieve water qualities, regardless of what the rain is doing. Mm-hmm. Permeable surfaces, again, all the upland stuff. I, I always kind of find it amusing, a little disappointing when I'm, uh, I think one of my assets, Sheepshead Bay Piers out, in, uh, out in, uh, near Coney Island, and um, after rainfall, um, you'll see this accumulation of debris in the water, bottles, you know, plastic bags, whatnot. And, and I always get that question, why are, why are boaters so dirty? Why do they throw their, their stuff in the water? And I, and I always have to ask people, I said, what do you do with your bottle when you're done with it? What do you, do you flush your toilet when, 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 without getting into too much detail, when it's raining out? Well, where do you think that goes when it's raining? And people don't know that Im- immediately that there's only so much capacity your physical plant has to capture this stuff. I'm off on a tangent perhaps, but it's all related. When you talk about Billion Oyster Project, the filtering capability of, of oysters. That's what that's about. It's that raising awareness. Is this going to provide sustenance like it used to for the populace? Someday it might return, but this but this more green infrastructure of building resilient climates, resilient infrastructure, it, that's why I say it's such it's so hard to peel off one aspect of it, and that's what makes it so dynamic. As people recreate, they want to know more about water quality. They want to know why they can only swim within, it's now recommended, 48 hours after a rainfall. Okay, well, what can we do to make those waters more clean? Uh, how does Billion Oyster Project play into that? How does design of, of, of softer shorelines uh, affect uh, capture of rainfall? And then, of course, we uh, resiliency, which is a whole nother conversation post-Sandy, where, where, you know, the awakening that was that event to what climate change means and how do we better design and prepare for that, which is also part of my world as well. I wear a lot of hats. I've got, I do a lot of capital uh, projects, particularly post uh, it's in, the, in the seven years since Hurricane Sandy, my job really took on a new dimension. Let's get into some of those complexities because you work collaboratively with a lot of different other groups in your job. And can you just give us a sort of a sense of where your piece of the puzzle is and all the other groups that you're working with to do mm-hmm. various things? Yeah, it's 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 a again all, all great questions. Um, I, you're right to kind of we can, I often get the furrowed brow look uh, when when people say, well, who does that? <laughs> and it's and it's um, who, who who enforces no wake zones? Um, who should a vessel call if they want to if they want to come into the port of New York? Who's 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 the port captain? Well, U.S. Coast Guard has that. Um, uh, no wake zones, sure, we play a role, but NYPD Harbor has more on-water resources than parks you know, by a long shot. Um, it, it, it's, it, de- it really, I guess what I'm leading up to, it depends on the, on the item that you want to discuss. Um, uh, I, 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 at the risk of sounding terribly political, New York City is incredible the resources and the expertise we have in the various divisions of this city. Um, 
I'm constantly impressed. I'm always learning. It's part of what's kept me here. When I sit down on some of these task forces, debris management task force, something I've been very focused on. I wrote a contract, the first of its type citywide to address this issue on small scale stuff, um, not, boats basically under 60 feet. Um, when I sit around with these groups, whether it's with Office of Emergency Management, NYPD Harbor Patrol, FDNY Marine Unit, US Coast Guard, um, we have a Department of Small Business Services who does violations on the water. Um, it goes on and on. We have the, sh- the, the county, sh- the, the sheriff's office under the Department of Finance. It, it, becomes, a, a, it becomes a bit uh, beguiling at times for people to try and navigate that. I, I don't know the, the perfect answer to that. Um, and, and, and to some extent, uh, to me, it's a challenge at times too. I'd be lying if I, if I, if I, if I, if I say it were otherwise. Um, that said, um, what I can tell you is there's always an answer to any question that's out there. Um, it's a well-considered answer. This is, as, 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 as quick as a New York City minute may be, um, no one acts without careful consideration, without a, a true kind of hierarchy of, of who does what when. Um, it, 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 again, it's hard to untangle all of that. I could give you case studies. We'll talk about, let's say, No Wake Task Force. Um, I think the city, uh, at the risk of jinxing it, I, I think the city has has done a tremendous job of balancing what would seem to be competing uses. Um, NYC Ferry, a tremendous rollout by the current administration of getting people to and from at the, at the cost of a subway swipe um, to be able to get from places like the Rockaway to Lower Manhattan. You know, these, 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 it was, um, it, you know, it was, it was bid out, it was awarded. New vessel fleet that came into the city to move these catamarans that can move pretty much, they can haul pretty quickly from Soundview up in the Bronx down to Lower Manhattan from Rockaways. Um, this, 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 you know, increased traffic on our waterways. You add, you add to that, um, that's the most obvious new addition to our waterways. Of course, Staten Island Ferry, everyone's familiar with, the biggest mover of people on the water anywhere in the country. Um, you add to that more of my world, the, 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 the sailing clubs that are springing up, the, you know, our, our ability to keep people in recreational boating, and then the human-powered boating. Of course, stand-up paddle boards taking a lot of interest. There's, there's, there's all kinds of groups that will rent those out you know, throughout the five boroughs. Um, how do you balance all that? Well, it actually works. I'm not saying it's perfect. It never never is. There's always going to be competing interests. There's going to be c- concerns, rightfully so. But I'll tell you, people listen. People hear these groups. They hear those competing me- needs. You can never keep all the people happy all the time. But I've been so impressed by New York City. And I wouldn't say if it weren't true. I've been so impressed by New York to try and move smartly and carefully in these areas. And again, at the rinks, r- risk of jinxing it, um, and again, I guess there's a tipping point. I'll be the first to admit. You know, you've got to be vigilant. You have to be very careful in this space when, when you're dealing with, 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 the, with what's at stake, uh, you know, personal safety. Um, but in our time, the number of incidences are, 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 are fairly low when you consider the number of people on the water. There was one incident in 2005, uh, a rower, uh, unfortunately, we lost in, in the Harlem River. Um, and... Uh, that was one of my first flavors. So this is over a decade ago, uh, almost, well, time flies, um, 14 years ago. 
Um, my first flavor for sitting down with the, with the collective stakeholders. What are we going to do? How are we going to better uh, protect the users of the Harlem River? It's a narrow area. You've got Circle Line coming around, which is wonderful for the tourism business. You've got Peter J. Sharp Boathouse that New York Restoration Project paid for, and these these high school kids learning to row. You've got um, human human power boating, of course. You've got you've got um, jet skis. Unfortunately, we actually banned jet skis in Parks Waters, um, and and power boats coming through there. How do you manage that? How do you navigate that? Uh, no pun intended. Um, and we sat around and we came up with best practices. No wake task force is is what what we formed quickly. We put up signs. We worked with DOT bridges to get these signs up. We worked with NYPD Harbor Patrol to um, better be kind of eyes and ears out there, get the word out there. Of course, parks with our with our portfolio, we were able to get the word out on on a, on a grassroots level, getting notices out into voters' hands uh, through our through our distributions, through our concessions. So. Again, it's it's one example where, back to the original question of, you know, who's responsible for what. It it really depends on the issue and what and what uh, various expertise each uh, each agency has. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, all right. So that was a great expl- explanation. So I'm wondering, uh, what do you see of the big challenges ahead that you are going to be addressing uh, with the mm-hmm. vision for New York Harbor? Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah. Uh, I, I want to keep it more exciting and lively, the conversation, <laughs> but um, the, c- clearly the challenge is, and this isn't unique to New York in any way, it's, 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 it's climate resiliency um, matched with uh, aging infrastructure. I, there's just no way about it. Um, You've got, um, and maybe some cities have a have have uh, uh, more of a, uh, I guess more of a modern physical plan. I mean, if I were to envy any other cities, I I, I actually have a hard time doing that because New York is is the best. But um, but what what we struggle from that's that's kind of a, a cute way to say the one thing we I think we really struggle with is is now keeping ahead of the, the physical demands um, of 80, 90-year-old infrastructure. Um, again, it's not unique to New York. Um, I grew up outside of Boston. I know Boston struggles with a lot of this as well. Um, you've, you, you, it, government does a lot of stuff great, and this stuff has to be done through government just to, to, to navigate the necessary uh, financing behind it, the permitting, the holistic uh, approach that needs to happen, and the democracy that it requires of engaging the stakeholders, all the people who want to be, uh, that you want to consult when you're, when you're undertaking any of these projects. The however is, it's big dollars to stay, to stay ahead of that maintenance demand. Um, New York's doing as well as anyone, I think, in, in trying to get get our arms around what that means and how to address those needs. There's all kinds of great reconstruction work going on, but it's ongoing work. Um, so as as unexciting as that sounds, that to me is 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 the ultimate challenge that 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 we're collectively facing. And I think a lot of the best practices on on uh, how to how to approach that, um, what kind of models exist. And then, of course, on a design level, what does resiliency mean for people? How do you, how do you design it uh, to 
uh, last another hundred plus years and, and for future storm events. Um, that to me, uh, the, the other stuff, which is kind of more tangible, the user balancing of user needs and access to me in ways is, is easier than solving uh, for that bigger challenge of, of how do you maintain it. I, I, I always like this analogy, by the way, um, that, uh, and, and, and I'm sorry, this is probably an educated group, so you've heard <laughs> it before, but the layman who hasn't heard this, New York Harbor used to be called a clean harbor um, because boats, wooden hauled boats, would come into the harbor um, to basically, because it was so polluted, they, they'd clean off all the shipworms the the teredo worms the the the, the gribbles i've always forget my name there um but the shipworms the the, the wood boring worms uh that would collect on the hulls of boats uh would come into new york harbor and they say basically they'd clean off their hulls because it was so polluted they 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 they'd, they'd eradicate these uh these, these invasive uh uh growth okay why do i tell you that analogy first of all it's funny to think of but more importantly part of the exciting all related you know we just saw we've been seeing whales breach in front of the statue of liberty we, we sometimes have to eva evacuate some beaches because of a potential shark sighting we're seeing seals we're seeing recently a beaver he was probably probably lost the poor guy on the hudson river um, I see it visually. Again, DEP's work, they love saying, and it's true, the waters are the cleanest they've been since the Civil War in New York City right now. And I'm seeing it in my lifetime. A decade makes a huge difference in water quality. I see it in Pattergate Basin, these wastewater treatments, the billions of investment that is going in and cleaning up our waters. Okay, what's the through line? If you didn't guess it already, guess what that means for our wooden pilings and our infrastructure. That's 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 a, a great way to get your head around that challenge that I talk about of great in, increased access, better water quality. How are we fortifying that infrastructure? How are we now compensating for return of 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 all these uh, the growth and, and the food chain that is that is our waters and as it should be? Well. That's a challenge to the design. My, my, my wooden structures, some of the wooden pilings that I see, okay, that's looking a little uh, in need of TLC. When I finally go in there and do the inspection and, and, I, and I, I, I take this cross-section actually to some of the educational groups I, ho I host because it looks like Swiss cheese, literally, the holes going through our wooden pilings. So that's, that, that to me is, is really, when you talk about the challenge, that, that to me is, is what we all need to be focused on. That's a great anecdote. Very... Uh... Very visual. So Nate, is there any message you want to send out to the community um, about being on the New York waterways? Well, it's a great question. Um, I appreciate that. The message that, I, that is most important for me to relay is, um, is knowing, is awareness. Um, so let's, let's, let's move back to what it means to be out on the water in New York Harbor. Um, we all need to know how to play nice. We all need to know how to get along. Um, what does that mean? It means knowing the rules of the road. Um, you know, people have to understand, and, and, and we, we've done a lot. I'm, I'm not going to talk about all the cooperative efforts we've done. There's the shared harbor tours that, that, that my, my, my deputy has organized, where we get human-powered boaters in, in the bridge of a ferry so they can see what kind of sight lines they're up against. We get the ferry operators down in a kayak to see what it looks like to try and to navigate around one of these things. Um, 
that is undoubtedly the most important message I need to convey in my capacity. Um, there's a lot of consternation, rightfully so, on saying, everyone in the water. Well, but there's a ferry launch there. Well, we want human power boating here. What does, that, what does that mean? It means everyone needs to be engaged. Everyone needs to be thinking through various lenses. You know, there's only so much aggregate. I, again, I, I'm not talking for Port, Port, Port Authority of New York and New Jersey or, or Economic Development Corporation. And, and the main reason we have these ports, you know, and the deepening of our channels and the raising of our bridges is because of the number of jobs our port supports. That's, that's not my role. But think about what that means as these aggregate ships are moving in, these container ships are moving in, and people are, are tooling around the Verrazano Narrows. Um, you need to be aware. Um, marine radios, VHF radios, what an idea. Well, I have a cell phone. Well, how are you going to call that ship that's bearing down on you? Um, it's it's really recommended that people learn if you're going to get out there, you know, do it responsibly because ultimately, it's on you to show that we can all do this. I often find myself in front of um, testifying in front of say city council over some of these concerns, you know, over over how is this going to work? Is this safe? That's ultimately our responsibility. And, but the, ult the ultimate responsibility falls on you, the user. See my nearly 50 launches citywide. You need to have those best practices in your hand. They're available on New York City Parks website. We only charge $15 a year for these permits. Um, we wanna open up these spaces to you, but it's on you, the user, to do it smartly, do it responsibly. Float plans, VHF radios get the proper gear, navigation lights, all of those things, noise-making device. These are required by Coast Guard. However, there's no way they're going to be able to audit parks, Coast Guard, NYPD Harbor with all that we handle. It's really dependent upon the user to, to adopt those best practices and protect it for everybody. So a good message to everybody. And boating safety is a huge issue we know all around the country. So there's lots of great information on that provided by a lot of different uh, places. But um, how about for other people uh, managing other harbors around the country? Do you have any any thoughts for them? Oh, great, uh, great question. Um, yeah, try and be like New York. I'm, I'm joking, um, only half joking. Um, well, I'm sure I could learn a lot, uh, kidding aside. I, 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 I'm, I'm fortunate to be in this space I'm also restricted because I see it all through this kind of uh, kind of intense lens that is New York City. Um, I can go on and on, just balancing surfing needs and but uh, on the Rockways. Um, but I'm but I'm but I'm constantly impressed by um, when I do get out of my little bubble here and travel and see uh, how how people do things. I'm always learning. That's part of the fun. I, I don't get out enough, unfortunately, see see uh, civil service. But um, I was just just down in um, in uh, Port of Washington and and visiting some marinas there to better inform how I'm going to rebuild some of our marinas here. And um, I guess I'm not really answering the question so much as to say that each 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 operator's challenges are somewhat different um, depending on what they're what they're what they're facing. I, I recently tried to replicate a kayak rental and drop-off scenario similar to the Twin Cities on the Mississippi River. I realize it's not going to work because <laughs> their river flows one way. Ours ours I have to take into account tidal directions. Um, anyway, that 
I guess what I'm saying there is um, I, I certainly am, am more interested in learning from others than anything I would dictate. Um, however, if I'm going to answer that question, I would I, I just I would come back to that stewardship uh, message. We're only here for a certain amount of time, all of us. Um, you know, to use some trite, pay it forward, empower the youth, get them interested in this space, um, make them, you know, get them off their screens. Sorry. Um, uh, I have two young kids. Uh, it takes a lot of work to, to, to engage the, the next generation and to get them out there. And, but, but the payback, the dividend is immeasurable in terms of protection of these resources that we have. Um, what's, what's the uh, Native American saying? We, we don't, uh, I'm sure I'm going to mess it up. We don't inherit the world from our parents. We borrow it from our children. So I'd leave you with that. Thank you, Nate. It's been great pleasure.